welcome, welcome everybody to another weekly roundup with Ricky. This is episode 49. One more episode to go to the big 5-0. Super excited to get there. I know I've been um, letting everybody know in the server that I'm planning something big. Uh, not too crazy, but just uh, some spoilers. I'm going to try to get our founders on the weekly roundup so that we can have some sort of a, a live update sort of thing. Instead of hearing from me, you can hear it straight from the horse's mouth. See what these guys are up to. They did say they'll be able to make time. I do appreciate that. I know they're super busy getting everything going, which I'll be talking about here shortly. So just excited about that. Um, first off, let us get started with our project updates. And specifically in project updates, let's talk TCFX. So Alex Antonio had a call with the founder, uh, well, CEO of Kind of Blue. And those who don't know what Kind of Blue is, it is the first client that will be onboarding on TCFX. Uh, and that should be a, a fun onboarding right out of the bat. We launched the product. We have all the regulatory requirements that we have. We've completed those. The only thing we're waiting on is the SRO license, and that is already underway. We, I believe we've submitted the documents with the legal team with the Swiss government, so that should be done well, we should hear back from them in the next couple months. Until then, we're not waiting. We're not sitting around. Um, so KOB will be the first, uh, hopefully, the first client. So where we are at at this point, uh, the CEO uh, that Alex Antonio talked with, his name is Frederick Navalon, and they chatted with him last Friday, and he has agreed to the financial terms that our founders proposed from TCFX side so that they can fundraise using our platform. The contract is under the process of being drafted and it would be signed sometime this week or next week. So that's exciting stuff. Next up, uh, now what we're waiting on, the other thing that Alex and Tona were working on was the investor pitch deck for KOB. They're also helping the company on the side of uh, reaching out to investors, things that they would need for that. Um, they're going out of their way to do that with them. And that's what you know, Alex and Tony, they always go above and beyond to make our partners successful. They're super good at what they do, like what the business is supposed to do. But they needed some of our expertise, not expertise, but some of our help uh, preparing the pitch decks. Because you've already seen, uh, if you've been in some of the calls with our founders in the town halls, they have showed us like what they can do with uh, working with uh, Jake on the um, visual side and the kind of slide uh, pitch deck that they prepared for TCFX. Super professional, super clean. Uh, so they're doing something similar for KOB. So that pitch deck had to be uh, restructured a little bit to best fit the presentation for the investors. And once that is confirmed, uh, they're going to work with Jake on the design. Next piece is uh, the founders have agreed uh, with uh, KLB CEO and Michelle Konizinski to visit them in Toulouse, which is KLB's headquarters. 
on the 3rd of November. Uh, what they're going to be doing there is, so Sophia, who's Alex's sister, she's going to be joining them and she's passionate about photography and videography. So they're going to be creating content with uh, and producing some of that content uh, with uh, some short trailers, interviewing the CEO to bring some credibility. Well, well, mostly just bringing uh, eyes on what the project is about and what the vision is just to better prepare for the investors conversations and also to add some value to the pitch deck, which is already under work. So that is another exciting revolution. Hopefully we'll be able to see those videos and uh, those photos. And I'm pretty sure there Alex Antonio will be sharing those pieces of information. This will be a big, big step uh, going into their office and meeting with them, uh, creating this content in their office. That will be awesome. Uh, next up, I'm going to talk about our ecosystem. I know everybody's been super excited, uh, ever since, uh, me and freeze kind of kicked that off. Uh, so Alex Antonio had a chat with Morpheus. If you have been in our server, he's our amazing tokenomics expert. He is a super smart dude. Uh, he and Duncan, who's our, uh, freeze, he's, uh, uh, come up with uh, a presentation, which is to kickstart um, the ecosystem development. So some of the things that was talked about uh, was staking the skill evolution and the gamification. So basically those three aspects, uh, there's a, basically what's going to be happening is they're going to partner with Yoska, who's our CTO, and she's going to be reviewing uh the presentation so what she can do is come up with a algorithm to kind of do some early level testing so this is like prototyping so if you've seen how tesla creates its cars it's learned a really good production well technique which is like you prepare like small pieces of test equipment first and then when you have like done the proof of concept you basically uh, then figure out a way to do it in mass. So what, what's going to be happening is this, this small piece of proof of stake, well, proof of stake, <laughs> proof of uh, concept thing, uh, basically is going to be used to come up with the different things we need to create a good sustainable ecosystem. We do not want our ecosystem to be static. What happens when you create something that's static and never changes is it can never adapt to the market changes. The market is always moving up or down. So according to that, we need to be able to adapt things. And there's a lot that goes into creating a good sustainable ecosystem that is fun to interact with, but also rewarding. So that is a huge piece of uh, development on the ecosystem side. We have been doing a lot of brainstorming a lot of discussions, a lot of back and forths, and you can expect that from us. We just don't want to deliver something just because we promised, just because it's on the roadmap, but we want to do it the right way. So we appreciate any patience and every patience that everybody's shown. As you know, everybody in the space is either at this point just rugged, left, or just not interested in developing anymore. Because you know what? There's no incentives, but we're not here for today. We're not here for tomorrow. We're here for the next 10 years. So to build something that is sustainable and to build something quality, things take time and we have the right team to do that. So 
We have the technical progress in our CTO. We have the tokenomics expert. We have our founders. We have great minds in our community. We have just leveraged everything. And we're super grateful that we're taking this direction. So something amazing should come out of this proof of concept. And um, it would be a great first step to learning what all things can be done to make sure that we build something holistic that you guys can be proud of because we're just not building this for today. We're building this for tomorrow and the coming um, demand that we're going to see once TCFX is in full flow and we're just kicking ass, honestly. Uh, those are all the project updates that I had. Next up, we're going to jump right into uh, the market updates. There's a ton happening in the markets. And I know there's so much FUD. There's so much craziness going on. And my heart goes out to the civilians on both sides. I just honestly, I am not political at all. I just care about how I can educate people better so they can make better decisions in their lives related to this industry. But it feels bad, honestly. If you put yourself in everybody's shoes in the war right now, it's just just sad. So uh, my heart goes out to uh, the civilians. Hope this seizes soon. Um, but first, what we're going to do here is we're going to jump right into regulations and legal news in the market. So first of all, uh, the SEC which is notorious for obstructing any form of uh, constructive work that happens on the legal side of things. Apparently, out of character, the SEC did not appeal the Grayscale ETF lawsuit. So they had a deadline about a couple of days ago uh, where if they did not file for an appeal, they could not do it any further. And they decided not to appeal. So what does that mean? So that means a few things. Number one, Grayscale, first of all, just a quick reminder what happened. Grayscale, which is an ETF, like they have a Bitcoin fund that they want to convert to an ETF. And converting to an ETF is a really good thing because it's a spot ETF. It will create demand for Bitcoin, but also what it's going to do is bring stability to the Bitcoin market. Everybody knows when gold the ETF for gold was released. The price spiked like crazy. It did not spike out of thin air. It spiked because of fundamentals. The demand increased. Everybody, everybody and their grandmas. And trust me, guys, there's crypto so difficult. Like nobody wants to sit around with a hardware wallet, learn how to memorize seed phrases, protect from scammers, hackers. Nobody wants to deal with that stuff. We're crazy for doing that. We're probably the 1% of the consumers that actually care about these things. It requires a lot of technical knowledge and, and that's acquired over time. And still we get rugged all the time. So imagine your grandmother trying to use Bitcoin, right? Like that's not possible. You cannot expect her to learn all these things. So what she can do, or grandpa, honestly, they can just call their financial advisor and be like, hey, I want some exposure to this asset class. What is this digital asset class I'm hearing about? So they want to be able to do that. They can't do that right now because there's no ETF. There's no government regulated uh, financial vehicle that they can use to get exposure to this asset class, aside from their stocks and bonds that they're used to, right? So this this is kind of a product that doesn't really shouldn't and doesn't matter or shouldn't matter for the long term technical growth uh, of this asset class, but it's important for adoption. So I'm super happy. So what's going to happen here? And Grayscale just sued SEC to say, hey, listen, 
you guys have been ignoring us. You have not approved our Bitcoin spot ETF. We need a good enough reason for you to tell us that why does a futures ETF market look, look different than a spot ETF market? The SEC was like, okay, we have these, these, these reasons. So basically the judge said, listen up SEC. I don't buy any of your bullshit. You better uh, not reject so basically the lawsuit said, the judge said, you cannot, SEC cannot reject Grayscale at any ETF that is filed with a reason that has already been given out. So that gives you a few things. Number one, SEC is not compelled to approve the ETF anytime soon. The lawsuit doesn't say that they need to approve it. It just says they cannot decline it using the existing excuses that they already have given second honestly they could be like no we're done we don't want to deal with this anymore because gary gensler has been sounding like he wants to move away from crypto and get into ai so i'm like okay happy riddance we don't need you anymore please move away but I'll, i'm going to share some news here which will make you believe that he is probably not just done yet so not get too happy too soon i know i know we all want him fired. We all want him gone, but he just sticks around like a fly on the wall. Um, so second piece of thing in this lawsuit is Gary Gensler could honestly be like, hey, here's a new reason for why we do not want to approve a spot ETF. And that reason, I think I know that reason. And it's kind of unfortunate because we don't know why that happened, but uh, we'll talk about it in a little bit. It's something to do with market manipulation. It just happened with Bitcoin with a false fake news that was released a couple days ago. Um, so, yeah, uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Next up, we have Elizabeth Warren, who just positions herself all the time as the savior of the average American. And she's anti-banks and anti-establishment. And I have no freaking idea what makes her so anti-crypto because that's kind of against what she stands for. Because crypto is for inclusion. It's for the average American. It's for financial freedom, which is everything she stands for. She fights the big banks. So I have no idea. And Gary Gensler basically is Elizabeth Warren's puppet. Like it's There's no direct proofs for it, but at the same time, there's leaked, uh, I mean, it's public information at this point that she shares like talking points with Gary Gensler. She shares her questions that she's going to ask him in hearings all the time. Uh, they're they're buddy buddies. So, and she appointed Gary Gensler. And again, not getting political. I don't give a crap about which parties, which, but I do care about what a party stance is for or against the industry that we're so passionate about. So Elizabeth Warren is using the war between Israel and uh, what's going on with the, the Hamas group there. Um, basically, she's using that, and she sent a letter this morning, I just read that news, uh, to the Congress saying that crypto is being used is bad for American security and it's being used to fund terrorism during the war. And here I am here to let you know that the news article that's circulating everywhere that says Hamas, the terrorist group, is basically uh, getting funded using crypto, that news is complete FUD and it is unfactual. 
I mean, there's truth to it. They did raise some funds using Bitcoin, which was about a two years, two and a half years ago, I think, or two, two or one. I can't remember. It was a long time ago. So they raised some money using Bitcoin. There's the next thing that comes out that Elizabeth Warren did not share with Congress because it goes against her agenda of crypto. Financial authorities and the FBI and all the secret services, they love when terrorists use Bitcoin, when they use crypto. Guess what? Because it's the most transparent financial system in the whole wide world. Anything and everything you do completely transparently stays on the blockchain. Anybody in the world can look at it. And I guess funny thing is the terrorist group gave into the FUD. They thought that Bitcoin is actually a good thing for terrorism because they might have read some politicians say that, which is funny because the politicians didn't know what they're talking about. And they, they released <laughs> some information saying, please don't give us funds using Bitcoin. And guess what? They got to know that this is and they said they'll probably go back to traditional ways to raise funds. And guess what traditional ways are? The biggest, biggest asset that is used, not asset, biggest vehicle that is used for global drug trade and illegal weapons and terrorism is actually currency. And which is the largest currency in the world? most widely adopted the us dollar but guess what elizabeth warren is not going to talk about the us dollar not going to crack down on that because that's against her uh vote bank or whatever she's going after so there's the fud for you and this was refuted by multiple analysis and multiple on-chain agencies that look into analytics companies that have looked into a bunch of money laundering issues for the government. And they clearly said that these terrorist groups do not use crypto at all. Even if they do, it's like 0.5% of the global like funding that these groups receive. So it's just stupid how these politicians just don't understand that if this mindset was used for the internet, that you and I could not even have internet today. Because guess what? Internet has been around for 25, 30 years, and we still have scammers. We still have hackers. We still have terrorist groups using the internet to do whatever nefarious things they want to do. So if Elizabeth Warren was at power and she could decide she's the president, she would shut down the internet because, hey, it's being used for terrorist funding, even if it's 1% of the total good that this industry brings. So do not let these stupid politicians make you believe that something's wrong with us. We're actually the most transparent and good for people industry out there. And that's why the government hates us because they love control and industry is all about transparency and giving power back to the people. Um, that's some fun news from Elizabeth Warren. Next up, we have something interesting brewing in the house in the u.s congress uh, the house financial committee has set up a hearing for next week uh, and the title of that hearing is very interesting and this has popped up literally in the last few days so this is like fresh off the press the title of this thing is examining sec's agenda unintended consequences for capital markets in the u.s and for investors so this is going to be very spicy the reason being the title looks like this agency is onto the SEC. They see that the SEC strayed 
far away from its mandate, what they're supposed to do, what they're, uh, it's basically amazing. It's incredible how the financial committee in the Congress has started to realize that I, I can't tell you how happy it makes me when the government makes these unelected bureaucrats um, stand up to prove what they're doing. It's like calling, um, calling somebody in the principal's office. That's kind of what it feels like. So I expect some interesting things to happen. I know that I'm going to be probably listening in if I get a chance. I know these can get a little boring. Uh, I just feel great. I just, I'm super grateful that the Congress is starting to see through these uh, shenanigans of the SEC and holding them accountable because there's really no accountability in these unelected bureaucrats' minds because the worst thing that's going to happen is they're going to get fired. And when they, once they get fired, they can go back to their friends in J.P. Morgan and Morgan whatever big bank they come from and they can get their job back. So there's nothing that they lose out of this. So um, that kind of gives the SEC the power to overreach all the time. And government overreach is something I'm starting to look into a lot more. And it recently happened in Canada as well when the federal government was trying to get into the business of the providential uh, government. So that, that kind of happens globally. We just never look at it because it's not cool and it's never covered in the mainstream media, but it's important to know about. You know your rights and um, you know how to push back. And sometimes courts withhold the rights of the people. So should be an interesting one. I'll try to catch it whenever I have time. Um, next up, we have JP Morgan Chase and an, another big FUD piece. And I guess this week is FUD Busters. And you can call me for that because I'll dig right deep into what's going on. So J.P. Morgan Chase, if you've seen this piece of news on X floating around, that J.P. Morgan Chase is closing down bank accounts and stopping people from using crypto in the U.K. So the thing is, they're not just doing it because they're anti-crypto. They're really not anti-crypto. They have come out and supported financial products and everything whenever they have had a chance. They're an opportunistic group. No bank ever wants any revenue just left on the table. The only problem that they're facing in the UK is the regulation. So what, what problems are they facing? Some higher executive, I was listening to an interview in this bank, um, they stated that it's an opportunity cost for them in the UK. So what does that mean? It's uh, basically what happens is uh, governments require certain things for banks to do. So they have to comply with anti-money laundering, anti-terrorism, anti-nefarious activity, any sort of surveillance that needs to happen on people uh, to make sure that they don't do anything bad with the money they're putting in this bank. So they already have a high cost for uh, compliance. Adding another industry on top of it where they have no clue where the money's coming from, where it's going, because crypto is so free in terms of like free flowing. You can move money between DeFi apps and everything without needing um, AML or KYC or anything. So the bank just doesn't want to get into that stuff in the UK because it's a big cost for them. It's the same thing as... Um, if someone brings you a car that is already broken down and it's like falling apart and they say, I need insurance for this car, you're probably going to turn them down because the car already looks like in a bad shape. So crypto industry is like that broken car right now. Nobody wants to touch it because the cost of interacting with it 
as you can see, Coinbase, one of the highly most most regulated exchanges in the world, like in the U.S., got sued by the SEC. If the most regulated one got sued, what would happen to the other ones that are small, right? So JP Morgan just doesn't want to get into that stuff. So that doesn't mean they're anti-crypto. That just means that there's not enough regulations for them to interact with it. So again, there was fraud around this that they're anti-crypto. They're not. They just don't see money in it right now. Once they see the money, they'll be right back. Next, we have some news from Pennsylvania. So the Pennsylvania House of Representatives has cut down a part of this new bill that was part of the Environmental Protection Bill. That's kind of a big bill. It's got a lot of big things coming in for it. Um, so there's a piece in it that was hidden, which people kind of ignored. It talked about a two-year crypto ban. Uh, not crypto ban, a crypto mining ban, a majorly Bitcoin mining ban. Uh, from the state and the problem is uh, the region has a lot of potential for good Bitcoin mining and very profitable Bitcoin mining because it's using renewable sources of energy. So the good thing is uh, this piece of the two-year mining ban has been removed from the bill and the bill is supposed to pass here shortly. So that's a good piece of news. Good for Pennsylvania, good for the residents, because Bitcoin mining has proven, and it is scientifically proven, that is good for the power grids, it's good for just overall use of energy that goes to waste anyway. The it, it, There's a huge piece that BlackRock, by the way, put out, um, that how Bitcoin is good for the environment, which is funny because all these big people were the exact people, they're saying the exact opposite literally three years ago. What changed in three years? Nothing much. Just that they understood there's a market here and we can make money. All they care about is making money. If you really think that this green initiative and this, <laughs> and I laugh about it because politicians would be the last people that care about saving the environment. Because if they were, they wouldn't be buying all these mansions they're buying all the time and just everything that they do. Uh, it's just that it's more profitable and they get lobbied a lot by the uh, renewable energy companies. And it's just how the government works. Whoever lobbies you harder, you vouch for them. Um, next up, we have some settlement news coming out of the courts between Genesis and FTX. I know we don't like hearing about FTX, but... And I promised I'm never going to talk anywhere about the, the trial or anything because it's just a distraction that they're using for all the important pieces of news that are coming out of our industry. Uh, so this piece is important because the settlement is about $175 million, which will be sent from Genesis to FTX and it will be used in the bankruptcy filings and it will be put, put I believe it's going to be put right back into the fund that is going to be used to um, make people whole. And I know it's not going to be, you're not going to get a dollar for dollar if you were on FTX because they have a huge gap. They have an $8 billion gap in their balance sheet. So yes, you're, you people have lost funds, but this, this is a small drop in it. But any money is good money if it can go back to the people that, that suffered uh, the losses at the hands of um, FTX and its dumb founder that apparently the industry thinks was too smart for everybody, which I 
I don't know what these people are on that they keep pushing these narratives when it's completely obvious how stupid he was in um, mismanaging the funds. Uh, next, we have some building and adoption news. So building adoption, it's huge for the industry, especially huge in a bear market. Those of you that are here listening to me, you know what I'm talking about. You know how important this is when the bull market comes around. Everybody's going to be too excited, too hyped up to even understand why we're here. If we don't build, there is no adoption. If we don't build, there is no new money. If we don't build, there is no new people. So everything depends on us continuing to build. And I'm super excited to share everything that I have to share today in this section. Uh, first up, I have news coming up from Ethereum. Uh, so Scroll, which is an Ethereum layer 2, it's a ZK EVM scaling solution. And ZK stands from zero knowledge. And why am I excited? Because after two years of development, Scroll has officially... Uh, publicly announced that they will be coming out with their mainnet shortly. And what shortly means, it could be a few months, it could be a few days, who knows, but it's great news that they are ready for the mainnet launch. Another reason why I'm excited for Scroll, because you're going to be like, oh, Reiki, why do we need another Layer 2 solution? We already have more than 10 Layer 2 solutions. Well, yes, we do, but majority of them are based on optimism or optimistic roll-ups and that's another technology used for layer twos why am i excited about zero knowledge proofs because these are going to be so instrumental in preserving the privacy of the users what zero knowledge proof do before i don't want to jump too much into the details but basically on a higher level transactions can be processed and can be confirmed without needing to know the actual details of the transaction. And why is that important? Because all you need to do is check for finality and check for proper behavior. You really, honestly, for example, if you look at Web2 right now, let's say you're accessing a website that needs to check whether you are 18 or not, right? If you're not supposed to look at that content and you're not 18, you know you can just click the 18 and nobody's coming at your home to check for your ID or anything. Now, that's a simple solution. But again, that's not a good solution. Second, if it's a website that actually requires you to confirm your identity, that's not good either. Because now your information, like your driver's license or government ID, is sitting on someone's database that you don't know if they're secure or not. What if I could give you a solution that it could confirm that you're 18 and still not need your information. And they can confirm in other ways without doxing you. Now that's a good solution. So um, that's why I'm excited about ZK EVMs. Uh, this is probably the first one that's coming out. I know Polygon's working on one right now. So uh, more ZK EVMs, please. I, can, I cannot tell you how important that is. I hope most transactions flow through these EVMs because uh, it's just good overall. For the industry and keep preserving the anonymity of the users of the industry because you know governments love overreaching they love their freedom uh protecting the citizens is so important to the governments as if you can sense my sarcasm um so yeah it will be a good check to preserve the privacy of the users 
next up, we have some news coming out of Portugal. There is a uh, autonomous region in Portugal called Madeira, and the president of Madeira announced on uh, during a fireside chat in Bitcoin Amsterdam, which was a huge success of an event. If you haven't seen all the videos, some of them were basically people just bullish on Bitcoin, but some of them were very, very... Uh, uh, Eric Burkis had one, which was amazing. Uh, this one uh, with the president of Madeira was really good. Uh, so there's some good uh, nuggets of information in there. So if you haven't looked at it, there's a bunch of videos on YouTube. Just uh, go check them out. So Bitcoin Amsterdam, so the president of Madeira comes out and he says that he has pledged that he is going to turn Madeira into a innovation hub for blockchain and crypto. And what he's going to do is going to set up like uh, just infrastructure there that's going to help people build and build an ecosystem around it. So super exciting stuff. If you're ever around Portugal, uh, do give this place a visit. I do personally want to go to each and every place in this world where uh, they're pro crypto and doing innovation in that direction. So should be exciting. Next up, we have Uniswap making huge strides and they have launched a beta version of their wallet app on Android. I know iOS already had one. Android was waiting for it and here it is. Um, so this is going to pave the way for an actual Google Play Store launch once all the testing is complete. So keep an eye out. If you were able to sign up for the beta testing program, good for you. I couldn't get in. It was limited. Uh, but once the app is out, I'm going to give it a shot. should be exciting. Uh, it's good for adoption because guess what? 90% of people, they love using their phones. And they want to be able to access their digital assets through their phone. Uh, so this is a good step in the right direction. Uh, next up, we have some currency news coming up, and this is coming out of Japan. Uh, the Japanese yen-backed digital currency, DCJYP, JPY, uh, this DC, um, I believe it stands for digital currency or decurrent. I'll let you know in a second. DCJYP is going to go live in July 2024. Please do not... Um, confuse this with a CBDC. It's sort of a CBDC, but it's not coming from the government. This is coming from a private company. So this is probably just a stable coin, a Japanese yen stable coin. Um, going live in July 2024. And the the digital currency and electronic payments business called Decurrent, so I believe DC stands for Decurrent, not digital currency. Uh, Decurrent Holdings uh, said that they're going to launch the coin in July 2024. And it's going to be launching with the collaboration between 70 major banks in Japan that's going to support these currencies. And they have said that this is going to make uh, money transfer and financial transactions seamless and uh, minimal friction, good for consumers, less fees, maybe no fees, who knows. Probably good for tourism as well, that people coming in can probably sign up for this. I shared a couple weeks ago that China was kind of working on something similar that people can, people visiting China, tourists, can top up their digital wallets with the digital yuan and they can uh, just use it everywhere, well, wherever it's supported. So we'll see how this goes. Uh, probably seems like a early level test of seeing, testing the waters. 
I'm pretty sure the government's also involved. They're probably going to get some data from them to see how successful this test was. Uh, Japan is pro-technology, uh, so I think the adoption's probably going to go pretty seamlessly. Uh, next up, we have MasterCard news. So MasterCard has announced something huge. They keep coming out with... Uh, the, the thing is, if you're not keeping up with MasterCard and Visa, what they're doing in the crypto industry, you're missing out a lot. It's super exciting uh, what they're doing. Um, so what they're doing right now is they announced that they have successfully uh, tested wrapping a CBDC and being able to port it over to Ethereum to be able to buy NFTs and do a bunch of things in Web3. So this piece of news is important because CBDCs in general are going to be uh, just issued by the central, central banks and they're going to be controlled by the government. And being able to interrupt with the public blockchains, I think it's a good thing for adoption. But as long as they don't interfere with the decentralization of these things, I'm perfectly fine with that, to be honest. Um, so this test uh, has started. So that should be exciting. MasterCard allowing central bank digital currencies to be wrapped up and bridged over to Ethereum to buy NFTs and do a bunch of other stuff. Uh, next up, we have news coming out from Bitcoin. Uh, Bitcoin Lightning Network, which is supposed to be the scaling solution on Bitcoin, because as you know, Bitcoin only allows like two to three transactions a second. And that's not good enough to make a global monetary system. Uh, the president, ex-president of PayPal has publicly stated, and this is a side news, by the way, that he's going to spend the rest of his life dedicating to Bitcoin scaling and solutioning. So that's how important Bitcoin is. Uh, so Bitcoin Lightning Network has, the growth of the network has jumped over 1,200% in just two years, which is incredible. And I'm glad it's doing that because we do need to scale Bitcoin. It's just, if you want to pay for Bitcoin for your coffee, you're probably going to be standing in line for your coffee for like 30 minutes. And that's that's not a that's not a sustainable or scalable solution. So we just need Bitcoin to be working faster without compromising the decentralization aspect of it. So we'll see how this goes. Good news for Lightning. Good for the team. Happy for them. Uh, next up, we have um, Bitcoin. Another huge Bitcoin news coming out. Um, so there's a white paper that was dropped by BitVM, which is a research organization. The author, uh, Robin Linus, has stated that he has come up with a way to allow for EVM-compatible smart contracts, which is basically Ethereum smart contracts, to be settled on Bitcoin. So basically what it's doing and what it's proposing in the white paper is you can take smart contracts you can execute a smart contract and to finalize the smart contract on a block, you can actually finalize it instead of Ethereum, you can finalize it on Bitcoin. I don't know if it's necessary, but at the same time, I know that it's a good option to have. Why? Because in the future, let's say Ethereum or any other smart contract blockchain gets compromised for some reason, we can't use it anymore you can still continue to use smart contracts and just for the consensus aspect just to finalize the transaction put it in a block uh, so it can be stored on the chain forever 
you can do that on a different blockchain. That's amazing. That's great portability. That's good for sustainability for the industry. So it makes it fall tolerant, and I'm all for it. So good for them for the white paper, and hopefully it comes into practice soon. Um, next up, to close things out, we have some huge news coming out of Ferrari. So the luxury sports car company has come out with a partnership with BitPay, which is a crypto payment platform. Um, and they have said that the U.S. customers of Ferrari can buy their cars using crypto. And that is great. And the cryptos that are going to be supported are going to be all the cryptos that are supported by BitPay, which I think supports like 10 to 20 cryptos. So if you have any major one of those, get excited because Ferrari is now allowing you to buy Ferraris with their with your crypto. All right. That is all I had, everybody. And with that, I want to open up the floor. I see the room is Looking good. I see you, Jolly. Welcome. Did see Tidebit, Molo, Rando. Good to see you, Kirthi. Thank you for joining, everybody. <laughs> I see a notification from Molo when Lambo. I'm pretty sure Lambo's coming too. All these people, they want your crypto, man. Like they want it because they know currencies are getting devalued. Uh, by the way, yeah, guys, if you want to come up, just uh, just hit the hit the request button. I'll get you right up and we'll have a quick chat. But yeah, honestly, every car company, Tesla said it publicly. They had a op an option to allow you to buy Teslas with Bitcoin and they stopped doing it. Not because they didn't want to support it anymore because Elon said that as long as Bitcoin remains above 50% running on uh, Bitcoin miners running on renewable energy, He's going to continue to support fun, uh, accepting Bitcoin. So I think we're sitting at 52% right now. So he hasn't come out and said that he's going to start accepting Bitcoin. Uh, but he hasn't sold any Bitcoin that they hold on Tesla's balance sheet. That is like 360,000 Bitcoins or something that they have. Um, so he, he, he hasn't sold a single Bitcoin on the balance sheet. So that's good. That's, that means he believes in that. And um, yeah. Other car companies, pretty sure they'll start accepting it as well. Not too worried about that. So in the next couple of years, once the ETF goes out, everybody knows about this industry. BlackRock, by the way, Larry Fink. I, I didn't talk about this. I completely forgot. Um, so there's there's some market manipulation that happened a couple of days ago where Bitcoin shot from 27,000 to 30,000. And that happened within a span of five to 10 minutes. So that kind of pump was because Cointelegraph, and it's so sad that they did that. I don't know. It was an intern or what happened. They released some fake news. And, and I'm using fake news in air quotes because who knows? Maybe it is true. And they were just not ready to release the news, right? Um, they said, uh, welcome back, Prism. Uh, I I'm done pretty much at this point. So I'm uh, waiting on people if they want to come up and have a chat. So if anybody wants to come up, please feel free. So basically what happened was, um, they were like, Oh, we're sorry. This was, uh, we didn't confirm this piece of news yet. And I was like, okay, cool. Right after they came out and, uh, denied the news they, they released about BlackRock ETF getting approved. 
Bitcoin jump right, drop right back down to 27,500, which is crazy. You see this huge green candle and this huge red candle right after that. It's crazy. All this happened in, in within like 30 minutes. So what I'm thinking is whoever did this and Cointelegraph came out and like, okay, we're going to investigate. It's going to take three hours. I'm like, listen, what? How do you know that it's going to take three hours? Was this planned? Were you planning on firing this person? Did you hire this person so that you can set some longs and shorts and make some money in this bear market? Like there's some weird manipulation that happened. And conveniently, Larry Fink, the CEO of BlackRock, the most powerful man in the U.S. And yes, I did not name the president because we all know it's everything's run by private companies. So Larry Fink comes out of nowhere on Fox Business. Oh, wait, no, he came on CNN or CNBC. I can't remember which one it was. And he came out and said Bitcoin and crypto. He couldn't say Bitcoin because he has an ETF pending and he can't publicly talk about it. Um, he said crypto is a flight to safety. And why is this guy so bullish on crypto all of a sudden? So something doesn't add up. Somebody slipped up. I don't know what happened, but it was quite interesting, the events that transpired and how they transpired and the, the chronology of all of that. I see you up here, Prism. What's up, fam? What's up, bro, bro of the people? What's up? Bro of the people. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's so funny. How have you been, man? Um, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, we had, uh, it's been a fun day. Uh, <laughs> I feel like um, we had this weird earthquake alert, random earthquake, uh, or there was an earthquake Ooh. not too far, but like, thankfully, nothing nothing bad here. So that's good. <laughs> I just ran out of the house, though. I got the alert, and you're like, okay, it says, get under the table and you go, okay, no, I'm going to go outside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a better option. I'm glad you guys are safe. I, we had an earthquake here about a couple weeks ago and uh, we were kind of the outer circle of the earthquake. Um, so we were kind of safe, but we did feel the tremor. So yeah, glad you guys are safe. Uh, yeah, I just uh, came up. I want to ask you, um, you were talking about layer twos and like, I, I don't know much about this scroll one. And um, I've been <clears throat> pretty much focused on like Polygon and like, and I know uh -huh. they're moving to a ZK uh, solution as well. Um, like where they they're are trying to make it almost like developers don't have to do anything. They're going like, I don't know how, if they're going to make it a hard fork or, um, or whatnot, but yeah, I was just curious what your thoughts were on that. It's uh, it's not a hard fork. Uh, I think from what I'm understanding, uh, it feels like it's a completely new chain. Uh, well, not completely new chain. It's going to still uh, derive its security from Ethereum. It's still a layer two, uh, but it's going to be a ZK ZK based. I, I think, I think, I think, I think that Polygon one is going to launch before the scroll one. So. Um, there's another one that's uh, ZK. There's another one that's in the works that should be mainnet soon. So we'll have three to four ZK EVM ones. I personally would use those if I'm right now. I'll be honest. I've used Arbitrum most of the time for my rollups, and I used Base uh, because it was the new one. Everything was popping, so I wanted to give it a shot. And they had the the whole event of summer of getting on chain, so I had participated. Just for fun, got some fun NFTs out of it. 
um, just to support. Uh, so don't know much about um, what it could do in mainnet, but I have been using their, um, it's honestly, I don't know if it's testnet anymore. It's like beta testing. So they're like super ready to officially launch. I have used the ZK AVM that Polygon has. It is so smooth. It is so fast. It's insane. Like I, I submitted a transaction and literally within like, like the UI said transaction submitted and right before like the the pop-up went away for transaction submitted i got the transaction confirmed so that's like insane i love that and the fact that it's going to preserve privacy i um i just love that because the more the governments try to overreach and the problem is people don't realize that history repeats even if it doesn't repeat it rhymes and every time there's there's this environment of a war or just this this whole just everybody talking about, oh my God, it's World War Three. We don't know anything yet. We don't know jack shit. And the problem is everybody becomes a global geopolitical expert on X. The reality is whenever things like this loom around, governments tend to show capital control. And what does capital control mean? It means that they will try their best for you to not leave the their financial system and flee to something else, which is not connected to their financial system. If you're trying to take your money out of your banks, it's happened in the past. It's happened in uh, any country that is in turmoil. High inflation, imagine any country. Venezuela faced it. Cuba faced it. Uh, Greece faced it. Um, Lebanon faced it. I believe Israel is probably facing it right now. Um it's just it just happens over and over and over and this fake sense of security that we have in the us that oh my god it's never going to happen to us well cbdc's are on the way and government won't even need to worry about the constitution because all they can do is oh well looks like you posted something i don't like here goes your bank account because now they don't even need to block your bank account with cbdc's they can honestly just do this um by blocking your actual money because you can program money. That's what CBDCs are. Um, so it's all—it's not all doom and gloom, but it's important to know that this industry is the only thing keeping us from all that manipulation that happens in the fiat monetary system, all the money printing, uh, $34 trillion of debt that we have no idea how to repay. Um, other than devalue the currency and it reduce the interest rate payments uh, and the interest payment at this point sitting at $1 trillion. In those scenarios, when the government comes around and says, hey, I can block that transaction because I can see in the transaction block that this transaction was used to move money out of the country. They can do that with ZK EVM because they would not see what the transaction was. So that's the beauty and why that is an important solution. So yeah, I'm bullish on Polygon. They said they're going to come out with a new token called Pol, P-O-L, uh, in a way to commemorate. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of the name, but you know what? They came out with Matic, and I was like, okay, Matic. I don't know what that means either. But they're good with tech. They hired the best people. This is what I'm talking about, guys. I'm going to go right back into Metal Leon Society for a second. That's what we do here. That's what who we are. This is some parallels I want to draw for you, right? So Polygon hired the best ZK tech technologists 
in the industry. They literally have the best people, the top of the top of the game. They hired them three years ago, right? Three years ago, nobody was talking about scaling. Nobody was talking about layer two solutions. Nobody even knew that the main Ethereum chain will have gas fees at like six or seven GUI. And the, the layer two solutions would have billions of dollars locked up in assets. Nobody could imagine that, right? But we're here. Just guess what? Polygon positions it itself for not today. It positioned itself for the future. They knew that scaling solutions are important. They're here to stay. And they wanted to play a big part. They wanted to make it easier for developers to get onboarded. It's like a click up button, like you just said, Prism. It's, it's not that straightforward, but it's super easy for people to launch their own uh, scale, uh, their own apps and dApps on this platform and they made it scalable not just for the use but also for development so what am i trying to say here so metalian society when people look at the bear market and i tell you all the time the day we launched the founders were extremely clear we are not looking at the next year we're not looking in two years we're building for the future and the more big corporations jump into tokenization the more it's a vote of confidence that we saw this industry early and we started preparing for it. We started getting the licenses. We started working with the government regulators because guess what? That's how the game is played when we got to do it the right way because it's not, it's not ethical in my opinion and it's not honest of founders when in Web3 they promise a bunch of things and re it's related to monetary gains and they do jack shit to protect themselves from regulation and it's just dishonest in my opinion so the work that have been putting in over the years and what we're putting in right now with tcfx our actual crowdfunding company i wanted to remind everybody that you see polygon success right now it's because they position themselves for the future that's what we're doing we're not concerned about the floor price right now we're not concerned about what the market's doing market's been in a bear market for two to three years we don't care we didn't raise enough money like other founders. If <laughs> the, the treasury has been transparent since day one, which is funny. And that is why I'm so bullish as a community member. And that's why I take the leadership aspect on the community side, because I'm, I'm just an investor just like you all. But I do know that what I'm invested in is something that we don't understand right now. And once it's in full fruition, it is going to be such a beautiful thing because the things are moving in the right direction. Those of you that have stayed up to date with all the 49 episodes that I've done so far for our, our updates, I've done this for like seven months at this point. Which project has provided transparency for seven months straight? Actually, even before I started doing the weekly roundups, the founders were providing updates bi-weekly um, on Discord. So thank you, everybody. I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day appreciate you taking time to listen in live um and i will see you all next week